righty. I love that song. Morning, everybody. So we are in the uh, Gospel of Matthew today. I know that comes as a shock and a surprise to you since we've been in the Gospel of Matthew for ever, I think, eight months, something like that. You know, my wife and I have been married uh, for 24 years. Yeah, thanks. I was a child groom. But one of the things I've learned uh, throughout being married is uh, this concept of, you know, our territory, right? Like, one, one of the things I didn't know before we got married is that there's such a thing as sides of the bed, right? And those of you that are married, you know, right, you have your side of the bed. Uh, so that was a new concept to me, and then... Okay, all right, so you always sleep on that side, so th this half is mine. No. <laughs> this eight inches is mine, and the rest is hers. Um, and so over time, eventually, I thought, well, you know, the, the solution to this is we get a bigger bed. No. Uh, so then we got a bigger house, and I thought, okay, well, this is how I'll have my territory the base we you you get the whole house the basement is mine and through a series of clever negotiation tactics on my part i now get 9 inches of the bed and one room in the basement so i'm winning but, <laughs> but you know people people love to protect their their territory um, we all have things that that we hold to be true and and valuable, and, and these are things that we feel like should never change, right? Like, so, like, my job should always be here, right? This, my employer should never move this factory or whatever it is somewhere else. Uh, my favorite food should always be on the menu. Don't you hate that when they, a restaurant gets rid of your favorite dish? Maybe I'm the only one that has that problem, but that's a big deal to me. Or my favorite music should or hairstyle or whatever should always be in style. It should be cool. Uh, I'm actually thankful that one's not true. Mullets should not come back. Uh, but, you know, we, we all have these things that we, we feel like this should never change, right? This is good. Everybody should just know it's good, and it should never change. And religious folks especially uh, get territorial when it comes to their beliefs and their traditions. Um, so today we're going to take a look at a time when, when some members of, of the religious establishment of the time, uh, they try, they're trying to protect their turf from Jesus. So Jesus, he's been ministering in the area of Galilee, and his miracles and his teachings, they're, they're coming, becoming sort of, you know, front page news, and it's reaching all the way to Jerusalem, which is about 100 miles away. And so a delegation is sent from Jerusalem to confront this, this rebel hippie teacher and, uh, you know, get him to shut it down. And so we're going to look into that. Before we do, though, let's pray and ask God to help us understand all of this. So, Jesus, we thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to study your word today. We thank you that you've made it so freely, easily available to us. Uh, God, we know it's a simple message for simple people, 
we still get it all sorts of messed up. We have so many, uh, so many bits of data and, and voices and noise thrown at us every day that uh, it, it can become difficult to filter it out and, and listen to the right voice. So Lord, we pray that uh, you would quiet our spirits today, open the eyes of our hearts, that uh, we can receive the truth of your word uh, and be changed by it. Uh, forgive us of any sin that, uh, that we have that's been uh, clouding our, our communication with you, and just bring us into fellowship. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Matthew 15, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was approached by Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem, who asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders, for they don't wash their hands when they eat? Now, I've, I've had either the same cold for a really long time or multiple colds over the last few weeks. So if you don't wash your hands, wash your hands, you know. I, I, I was telling Kevin, I said, we need to initiate fist bump February. No more handshaking for a while until all of us get over this creeping yuck. But for the record, the disciples, they weren't just nasty eating with filthy hands. That's not what they're talking about. There was a specific sort of ceremonial hand washing uh, that the Pharisees are referring to. And they're like, hey, they don't do this tradition that we have, the tradition of the elders. Now, a little background on how this came about. Okay, so we're going to do a little history. This is going to be on the test later. Uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a period, they call it the period of silence. And it wasn't everyone was quiet for 400 years, but for 400 years, God did not send a prophet. Uh, there was no new scripture, no new revelation. Uh, and during that time, uh, the Jews became subject to Rome. And they split into different parties, if you want to call it that. So there, there, there were the Essenes. Uh, these guys were basically pacifists who, uh, they, were, they were sort of like monks. You know, they, they believed living pure lives would bring back the blessing of God, right? If we just live really pure and simply, uh, God will bless us again and free us from Rome. Then there were the zealots, and these guys were, they wanted to see an armed revolt against Rome, all right? They uh, they committed acts of, of political terrorism. They were really anti-Gentile, you know, anti-anyone not Jewish. Um, which is funny, because one of Jesus' disciples is Simon the Zealot, right? He has this background, and he would have had a really hard time when Jesus taught stuff like, hey, turn the other cheek, and, and uh, the Good Samaritan, and all, all these things. You know, he would have had a hard time with those things. So we had the Essenes, the Zealots, then there were the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees were, um, they collaborated with Rome. They were basically, um, you know, they didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in the resurrection. So we, I always tell people the way to remember the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees is the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were sad, you see. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty lame, but it'll help you remember it. Um, but they believe that this life is all that, they, all that there is, right? And so we shouldn't mess with the status quo. If things are okay for me, that's all there is. So as long as I'm okay, I'm, that's fine. And then there were the Pharisees. 
And the Pharisees were a very strict, um, very strict in their devotion and their purity. Uh, they were constantly calling out anyone who wasn't as strict about their faith as they were. Right? They were uh, anyone that wasn't as legalistic and as religious as them. They would call them out for it. Um, they would boycott businesses. Um, you know, anyone who wasn't Jewish enough for them, they would uh, make life hard on them. And there are a lot of Christians, I think, today who would, who seem very similar, right? Uh, and so all these groups, they had, they had one thing in common. They wanted to preserve what they felt made them superior, what made them distinctly Jewish and made them distinctly blessable, you know? Uh, and so the Pharisees believed that the tradition of the elders was one of those things. It's, they came up with this thing called the Mishnah. And they actually called it a wall around the law. Right? Because they felt that the way to be close to God was to keep the law. And you might need help figuring out how to keep the law. So they did, over that 400-year pe- period of silence... Uh, on through the second century, they developed a series of rules and regulations to help you keep God's rules and regulations. Right? So, for instance, you, weren't, you were supposed to be clean. So, they came up with over 30 chapters of how to be clean. Right? To clarify. What they came up with really was 248 commandments and 365 prohibitions. So, 248 do's and 365 don'ts, because the 10 that we had weren't enough, right? When they, they had to expand on it. And so they, uh, to help out everyone understand those rules, they came up with this series of commentaries explaining the extra rules to help you keep the rules, and uh, that was called the Gemara. And then together they, call, they, were formed, uh, they formed this thing called the Talmud. Okay? So you may have heard th- some of those words before. Uh, so by Jesus' time, all of these man-made traditions were, were pretty firmly entrenched. Right? This, is, this is how a good religious person should act and behave and keep themselves. And so this hand-washing they were talking about was a ceremonial thing where uh, you held your hands a certain way and it was kind of like a getting ready for surgery type thing. The water was poured over you. It didn't get you any cleaner than scrubbing would. But, um, so Matthew 15, verse 3, right? So they're mad that Jesus' disciples aren't keeping all these extra rules. It says, He answered them, <clears throat> Why do you break God's commandment because of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say... Whoever tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is a gift committed to the temple. He does not have to honor his father. And this way you have nullified the word of God because of your, your tradition. So what he's talking about here is among their traditions, they had devised some loopholes, right? Uh, so they'd, uh, if your parents needed financial help, right? They're getting older, can't work, can't support themselves anymore. If you didn't want to support them, you could say, oh, I'm sorry, I've made a vow that everything I make 
when I die, goes to the church or to, to, to the temple. So all my money has been dedicated to God. Therefore, I can't give you any of it. Now, that left out the fact that I can still use it for me all this time, right? But they, they had created this, this loophole. Uh, I promised to leave all my wealth to God, so I can't help you. And Jesus is like, look, you, you came up with this loophole, and you're totally missing the actual truth of what I care about. I don't care about your money. I care about your heart for people. I care about you actually honoring your mother and father. And, you know, we all, we all like to come up with, with do's and don'ts so we can feel like we're doing well, right? Like we, you know, we, we're doing okay because we've hit these boxes on our checklist, and then we kind of ignore what God actually says. And sometimes those, those checklists that we come up with are, are like pseudo-scriptural. Right? They sound sort of like scripture. For instance, like, uh, God helps those who help themselves. Right? Anybody ever been told that or given that advice? Yeah, that's from Aesop's fables. That's not scripture. Um, cleanliness is next to godliness. That was from, that was a quote from John Wesley. That's not scripture. Um, Money is the root of all evil. Heard that one? That's close. The scripture says that the love of money is the root of evil. Um, many hands make light work. Heard that one? That's, uh, that was John Haywood. That's good, that's good advice. But it's not necessarily what God's concerned with. Uh, you, can, you can do it, put your back into it. That would be uh, Ice Cube. So I'm, I'm not saying that those things are necessarily wrong, uh, but, but living by a list of rules and, and, and sayings isn't what God's after. Right? It's, he desires us to keep watch over our hearts and always be aware of our need for Him. For him. So we'll read on here. Matthew 15, <clears throat> verse 7. He says, Hypocrites, <clears throat> Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. All right, so they're, they're majoring in the minors. There's all sorts of traditions that that we lose sight of how they even came to be, right? There are probably things that you, you do, that you practice, that you're not even really sure why. That's just what you do. I always love to see that whenever we, we do a wedding. Everyone has all these things that, oh, you have to do this. And I'm like, no. And the Bible is basically, you want to, you want to, you're married. You know? You didn't need to sp spend three months' salary on a ring or any of that stuff, but... Uh, but for instance, um, do you know that high heels were originally invented for men? Aren't you glad that tradition has changed a little bit, right? <laughs> or uh, stockings or leggings, like 
like pantyhose, that kind of stuff, were originally for prostitutes. That was a way to show that you were a lady of the night. And now we have people that will judge ladies because they don't wear those. Uh, pipe organs were invented for taverns. Or one of my favorites is, uh, you know, the, the whole you can't wear white after, after Labor Day, right? Along with that was, uh, you know, those straw hats that people would wear? Uh, same rule, not supposed to wear those after Labor Day for some reason. And in 1922, there was this event that happened where some young men saw other men still wearing their straw hat after the time that they should be, and they started taking them off, you know, throwing them on the ground. And a full-fledged riot broke out. It's the Straw Hat Riot. You can look it up. It was out on, uh, in Atlantic City. People were beating each other nearly to death because of wearing a hat after the wrong date. And now, hardly anybody even wears a straw hat, and I don't care when you wear it, you know. Uh, but that was such a big deal at the time. So not, you know, not all tradition is bad, but when we lose sight of what it's supposed to teach us, what it's supposed to convey, what its purpose is, then now it's a problem, because Jesus is more concerned with truth than he is with tradition. And so, you know, we tend to look down our noses uh, at the Pharisees, right? Because they had all these traditions. You know, how could they have added all these ceremonial things and lost the point of the thing? But we all have our own little ceremonial things that we're not sure why we do them. One, it's not a bad thing. But you may see, and maybe you do this, but maybe you... You've been confused by it, but you'll, you'll see some people raise their hands in worship. And that's one of those things that actually, you know, it's, it's scriptural. Scripture tells us all over the place. I think Psalm 134 says to lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Or to lift up holy hands in prayer and praise. And, uh, it's all through the scripture. But why do we do it? You know, the why is, is lost on, on most people. It's, it's, it's not... Hey, look at me and how spiritual I seem. Right? Sometimes people will go, well, I think, I guess this is just what you do, so I'll copy. Um, what it is, is it's, it's, a, it's a surrender. Right? It's, it's reaching out. The best way I can explain it, and if those of you that have kids can maybe understand this, you know, when a little kid gets their hands dirty or, or sticky, you'll see them go like this. And they can't get it off, and they just reach up to mom and dad with their hands, right? My hands are dirty. I can't get them clean. That's what lifting our hands in worship is. It's lifting our hands up to the one who can, who can cleanse us, to the one who can fix what's going on inside of us. It's lifting our hands up. You know, when a, a touchdown is scored, what, do, what does everybody do? Hands up, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, there's all sorts of motivations, but the main one is lifting my hands up to the one who can do what I cannot do, right? That's why we do it. And that's lost on most people, right? Uh, so tradition's not bad, but it is bad when we, we, we follow the tradition without understanding why. And so we're hypocrites when we, when we talk about love 
but we don't show people love. All right? We're hypocrites when we raise our hands in worship to be seen raising our hands in worship and not with humble hearts. We're, we're hypocrites when we talk about forgiveness and we won't forgive people who've hurt us. And I keep saying we because I'm, I'm right there with you. There are things that I talk about that I know to be true and just haven't quite put into practice yet. But when we care more about keeping tradition than seeing transformation, that's the problem. That's the issue that Jesus is addressing. So Matthew 15, verse 10, <clears throat> he says, Summoning the crowd, he told them, listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. He may or may not have ever eaten at a golden corral. Um, but no, the Pharisees, they're so concerned with staying pure, right, that they had erected these extra barriers for themselves. And they believed that, and this is really the core issue, is they believed they were inherently pure, right? They were good and needed to keep anything, any outside influence away that might taint that, that might contaminate their purity and their goodness. And Jesus, he flips it upside down and he says, no, what's evil, what's unclean, has nothing to do with the outside. It's what's going on on the inside. Now, how often has someone advised you to just follow your heart? You ever gotten that advice? That seems, that's good movie advice, right? Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? The Bible does teach that we should guard our hearts, be careful what we allow in there. But what Jesus says here is really pretty revolutionary. This, this flipped it. the whole script on its ear, right? Is he's pointing out that our hearts, with no outside influence, are messed up already. Right? It doesn't matter, you know, what TV shows you've watched or music you've listened to or any of those things. Your heart will be messed up even without those. And th so those that may not help. But your heart is already messed up on its own, and it's in need of the one thing that we secretly dread, and that's change. Again, I've, I've talked about kids a couple times, but those of you that have kids, you know, you don't have to teach them to sin. They pick it up all on their own, right? I've never had to teach my kids to lie. They figure it out, you know, because our hearts are inherently messed up. Verse 12, it says, Then the disciples came up and told him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? See, nothing offends people quicker than when you put down their traditions. You know, I, I, my family's from the South. I can make fun of hillbillies, but you better not, right? You know, I, I'm allowed to make fun of my own traditions, but I better not let it anybody else do it. You know, nobody gets offended more easily than when uh, their traditions are attacked. Verse 13, it says, He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant will be uprooted. 
Leave them alone. They're blind guides. And if the blind guide the blind, both will fall into a pit. Then Peter said, explain this parable to us. One thing you've got to give Peter credit for is he's always asking questions. At least he asks, you know, he, he asks uh, questions that, you know, otherwise might go unasked. That one was pretty clear, right? He, he's not picking up on it. And, uh, you know, the Pharisees are offended, and G- Jesus gives some, some good advice here. He says, basically, look, people who are offended because you care more about what Jesus says than whatever their traditions are, uh, just avoid them. Just, though, you know, people that are going to get all up in arms and upset that you care more about what God says than their traditions, just avoid them because otherwise they may deceive you and you both end up stumbling. Now, he's not saying it doesn't mean you should just go out of your way to offend people, uh, but don't let people steal your joy. All right, don't, if you want to walk around in bondage, judging people and measuring yourself against others, that's your business, but it's not going to be mine. Right, that's basically what Jesus said. We read on in verse 16, he says, do you still lack understanding? So Jesus says, look, this, this is something, this is not a new concept, really. If you've been around me all this time, I've been introducing this for a while. He says, do you still lack understanding? Don't you realize that whatever goes into a mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And this defiles a person. From the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, slander. These are the things that defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile a person. So we like to pat ourselves on the back for the things that we're not guilty of, right? Like I'm a lot of things, but at least I never killed anybody. I don't smoke or chew or go with girls who do, you know. But Jesus points out here and elsewhere that, you know, we're guilty of all those things to some degree. You know, when, when we hate someone, we're a murderer at heart, right? When we lust after someone, we, we are adulterers at heart. He's like, just because you've erected some barriers around yourself, and you've checked some boxes, doesn't mean everything's a-okay. I mean, here's the big thing, and this was, this was the concept that he was introducing that, that the Pharisees were really blown away by and upset by, and one that we still wrestle with, is that we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Does that make sense? We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Spurgeon uh, said that if, if sin had not been in you, it could not have come out. All the trouble in the world does not put sin in the Christian. It brings it out. So what an uplift, uplifting message, right? That we're, we're not defiled by what we do. We are just inherently defiled on the inside. Thanks, Nate. The moral of the message is I stink. Awesome. <laughs> but Jesus, he wasn't just trying to, to, to crush our self-esteem here. He's saying, look, if you're, 
if your heart is sick, you think hand sanitizer, uh, hand sanitizer is going to fix it? You think some outside thing is going to take care of it? Psalm 51, verse 16, says that you do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You're not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You'll not despise a broken and humbled heart, O God. Have you been grading your spiritual health with a little checklist of do's and don'ts? Or maybe have you been holding back from from, uh, stepping forward in your faith because your hands are dirty? Right, because I haven't checked this list of do's and don'ts. Our position with God really has nothing to do with our, our performance. See, if we're actually growing in our faith, we should grow ever more aware of how deeply we really need Jesus. Right? If you're really growing in your faith, you don't, you don't have this amazing checklist of look at all the good things I've done and all the things I've cleaned up what you have is a longer list of all the things that I didn't realize I needed Jesus for you know yeah maybe I've I've grown in this area and now he's revealed over here this other area that I was previously unaware of in Luke 18 verse 10 Jesus talks about uh, really the difference between the people who are building walls around themselves and people who are actually uh, tearing walls down and letting him in. And he gives us this, this example. He says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. That's, that's pretty good, right? God, I thank you that I'm awesome. Thinking that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I feel like the tax collector was like, dude, I'm right here. You know? uh, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So that's the big question, right? Am I trying to protect my turf, trying to convince other people uh, that I'm good, and and maybe hoping eventually I'll be convinced and, and God will be convinced, or... Am I aware that I'm a sinner with a contaminated heart, hopelessly in need of a Savior? So when we put our faith in Jesus for eternal life, he says that we become a new creation. And he begins to change our hearts. He says he gives us a new heart, but it's still got a nature to it that is contrary to him. And he begins to change us, and, and, but he's a gentleman, Right, and he only walks through the doors that we open to him. He only, he only walks through the doors that we open to him. He, he's about tearing walls down and not, not building them up. 
All through the scripture, we're told that he, he brings down strongholds, right? If we let him. Now, David, uh, and we'll close here with this. David, he was a believer, but he'd fallen into some, uh, some heavy sin, and he was not guarding his heart. Uh, but he'd been following his heart. Uh, and when he realized the magnitude of his mistakes, uh, he says this. Psalm 51, verse 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me, or a right spirit. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. See, David realized the condition of his heart, and he said, God, the only thing that can fix this, because I know that you don't just want a bunch of sacrifices from me. You just, if you would just create a clean heart in me, and then give me a willing spirit, a spirit that's willing to continue to surrender to you, a spirit that's will willing to continue to be cleansed. That's the only way this is going to work. And it's still that way today. Um, we still have little strongholds in our lives, little walls we built up, little territories that we're unwilling to allow God in and allow Him to change. But He totally will if you'll open that door to Him. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you. God, we know that you can make all things new. I don't just need to start doing this or stop doing that, God. I, I need a clean heart. I need a new heart. I need you. And God, we know that uh, you still are changing hearts and changing lives today. Anything that we've allowed to become a, a mindless tradition or a little checklist to help us feel better about ourselves. Lord, we pray that you would reveal that thing to us. Help us to approach it in a new way with, uh, with right hearts, with pure hearts. Lord, our hands are dirty, our hearts are dirty, but we know that, uh, we know that you can cleanse us. I pray that if there's anyone here listening online that they've not trusted you yet for eternal life, Lord, that uh, they would do so today, that just as a, a believer needs continued cleansing and, and restoration, uh, they need that initial cleansing and restoration to you. Lord, we, we just pray that they would see that you did all the work for them. Your word promises that if we trust you for eternal life, you give it, and you won't take it back. I pray that they would do that today and then find someone who uh, can help them grow closer to you in their, their walk with you. Jesus, we pray that our hearts would be opened, that we would, our lives would be surrendered and would be changed. And we thank you that you love us more than we can understand, more than we can love you back. And we pray that you come and come quickly. And all God's people said, amen. All right, ready? break.